0: You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel podcast, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs Limited.
1: Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise!
0: Yes! Oh!
1: Four four! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to heart of Midlothian and a team maybe hitting panic stations at the moment, as is the way at times. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by a man who hopefully isn't hitting any panic buttons quite yet,
0: Mark Donaldson. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Yeah, disappointing at, um, at Livingston. European tie to look forward to. Um, But, yeah, a bit of a a rut right now as far as form is going. And I was just thinking, Laurie, we've actually been fortunate. Last week with Jimmy Sanderson was episode 200. And we've had quite a lot of episodes where things have been pretty good on the park. Most of last season was was decent, good finish. So there's a little bump in the road just now. So hopefully we can kind of get back on track, starting with a, a good performance and a result on Thursday. I noticed the start of the podcast was slightly different. Has it taken... No no one says anything for 200 episodes, but then we change things in episode 201. Is that how it goes?
1: Yes. Uh, this podcast now being brought to you uh, by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald's Signs Limited, who, um, yeah, you will have heard the mention at the start of the podcast, something you've not heard previously. But, um, yeah, we mentioned previously that we were hoping to find a sponsor that would assist with podcast help with the costs that come with it and help us grow and develop it and Forrest Hepburn and McDonald's we very kind to to pick up that offer and um, we will work in conjunction with them so they'll support the podcast obviously help us um, develop and grow and in turn you will hear them mention with a bit of advertising which I think is more than fair and um, one thing we always spoke about when we started this four years ago and in Mm. the years and months that have gone by we always wanted this to be a podcast that was free it was never going to go down the um sort of paywall route so that's one thing we need to do to to keep it that way um so i'm very pleased and a long-standing company with a very good reputation been creating um sign and print solutions since the 1950s so i'm very pleased to have them on board
0: I think it's important as well Laurie to, to to stress again something you said there this is we do this for fun we're not looking to ever and we never will we promise you that we will never make this a paid for podcast you will never have to dip into your pocket um to to access this if you so desire and and we like what we do hopefully you do as well if you don't then fine you know what to do um but there's too much choice out there And especially in the current climate that we're in, both on your side of the pond and over here, because I know we've got a number of listeners, not just in America, but all over the place. There's too much needed financially for other things. And our promise to you is that we will never, ever ask for any money from any of our listeners to listen to our podcast. And in return, if to do that, if it means, um, thank you to the sponsors on board, if it means a minute a week to promote one of our partners, I think that's a small price to pay. So thank you to you for listening and and thank you to our sponsor as well.
1: Indeed. And um, I guess happy to discuss that because we're trying to avoid talking about Heart of Midlothian and their most, most recent debacle. But we will get stuck into that. We will talk about Hearts Against Livingston that took place on Saturday. And we put the question out to our... Twitter followers to get a bit of feedback, engage the feeling of fans just now, just to try and find out who's feeling fairly relaxed about Hearts just now. Is it a minor blip? Is it just a couple of off games? Or those who've got some maybe deeper concerns? Just because we like to get our views across in here, but more importantly, we do like to share and then in turn reflect the reviews of fans and, and get that across as well. Whether we agree with them all or not, I think that's very important. So, We're going to have a discussion around that and we'll go through quite a few of the contributions, the bits of feedback that we've received. And we will look ahead to Hearts' first uh, European group game of the season. That's Group A of the Europa Conference League as they take on Istanbul. here. that's on Thursday night. (sighs) Okay. First up, Mm. we're going to talk about Livingston against Mm. Hearts. I thought before that, um, a couple of signings, um, not enough uh, importance around this to to merit its own section as such, but I thought it was worth mentioning them both. One of them, of, of course, was involved. Stephen Humphreys signed on loan from Wigan Athletic right at the end of the transfer window on deadline day. Um, seven goals last season for Wigan. Started his career with Fulham. Had spells with Southend and Rochdale. Mark, I guess this is one of those. Very hard to judge. He's done okay at League One level in England. Um, not really getting much of a look in this season, just three appearances for Wigan so far with just one start, and that was an EFL Cup. Um, one of these where, on paper, hard to judge until he's had a bit of a run in the team. It's not stopped people, has it? No, <laughs> Send that's <them> right. back <laughs> Can't play the offside trap.
0: Yeah, because he's had like six weeks of learning how hard to do that. Uh, had a chance. Um, look... <laughs> He's on a hiding to nothing unless, unless he scores as a great game. He, he, he just joined the football club. Let's, um, let's judge Mr. Humphreys, uh, with not such a small evidence of work. Let's see how that goes. We needed someone uh, to, to, to come in, and let's not also focus on just Humphreys because there were very few that got past marks at the weekend.
1: Yeah, we will talk about the the Livy game in a moment. And um, certainly a new signing who's had 36 hours with this club is not one to receive too much of a harsh judgment at this stage. Uh, The other signing I want to quickly mention, obviously not as part of the match squad on Saturday, um, signed after the window had closed, free transfer. uh, And that's Xander Clark, Mm 30-year-old goalkeeper, someone we know a bit more about, signed a three-year deal. He left St. Johnston in the summer on a free had spent 14 years with Saints, made over 200 appearances, won the cup double, of course, two years ago, and has been part of the Scotland setup since his first call up last August. Although hasn't won a senior cap yet, uh, this is a bit more of an interesting signing certainly on paper because he's a player who's done well um, in Scotland for St Johnston. Was obviously looking for a move down south uh, before changes at Stoke. It looked like he might be getting a deal there in the English Championship, and. He was mentioned before and his name has come up. I think a few of us had our doubts because obviously Craig Gordon's in goals. He's number one. Would he play backup? But I'm assuming, Mark, although nothing's been set in stone, this is a succession plan for Craig Gordon to get someone in because he's given him a three-year deal.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key thing here. Not so much the signing, but hold on, we've just signed a backup goalkeeper on a three-year contract. What's that all about? I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's a succession plan. I think Xander and Craig will work in tandem together. Obviously, Xander's been part of the Scotland squad. Knows Craig Gordon well anyway. Anyone who watched St Johnston when they won both Cups that same year and played in Europe the following season. Super goalkeeper. uh, 30 years old, we've seen with Craig. Age for a goalkeeper, if it starts with a three, doesn't mean anything. For most of them, because they keep themselves fit, I think it's a good signing. Because right now, there's still question marks over Harry Stone. Um, it's easy to say just to kind of identify him. Well, he'll be the next Hearts number one goalkeeper. Well, well maybe not. Uh, and if he isn't, and it doesn't, his succession kind of, sorry, his his progress doesn't uh, go according to what they were hoping to. Then you're kind of left playing the reactive. Um, card rather than the proactive card you've got a guy here in Xander Clark who okay didn't manage to get his English Championship club, but that's the level that he thought and probably it, he certainly is capable of playing down there um, so we've, we've got a good one here St. Johnson frustrated to 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 lose him I know Ryan McGowan would love to have uh, played with Xander Clark but yeah look he's moved on he's at hearts now and he's a <laughs> <laughs> well, is now? What is he going to do? Um, yeah, I think it's a succession plan. I think it's I think it's a good signing for Harz. And the other thing is as well, you know, we, we have an element of our support that can jump down the throat of something if they're not happy. Just look at the responses to some of the team selection tweets. And if Craig Gordon ever picks up a knock or um, is ill or anything like that, then you know who comes in. Did well at Celtic, Ross Stewart. But apart from that, the those that love a moan, oh God's sake, and everything like that. So, look, I, the first test is going to be when Craig doesn't play next. You've got to think Xander Clark supplant uh, su- supplants even uh, Ross Stewart as the uh, as the backup goalkeeper.
1: Looking at the game itself, so Hearts playing Livingston aside, that they'd only lost one of the last fifteen meetings against in all competitions. Although it was a crushing 5-0 defeat in Livy back in December 2018 Um, and Robbie Nielsen had a 100% record against them in terms of league games, 7 out of 7 before this match but the Hearts boss made 5 changes to the team that lost 1-0 to Kilmarnock in the Premier Sports Cup second round defeat so Michael Smith, Alan Forrest Peter Haring, Josh Ginelli and um, Lon Shankland all dropped out and in came Toby Simic, Stephen Kingsley George Grant, Gary mckay Stephen, and the new man we just spoke about there, Stephen Humphreys. So a change, and a change that I suppose we were hoping for, I think, in terms of this game, which was to go the back four. If you remember last season, Hearts travelled to this ground in the first uh was what December and really struggled in the first half. They played the 3-4-3, got completely overloaded in the middle of the park and had to shift things about because Livy were battering us for a spell in the first half. So it was a 4-2-3-1 for Hearts. Gordon and goals. Sibic moved to a right-back position. Cochran on the left. Kingsley back in. He was alongside Lewis Nielsen. Devlin and Halliday sitting. Mackay, Grant and Gary mackay Stephen, The attacking three behind the man up front, Stephen Humphreys. And Hearts actually started this game pretty well. Yeah. Um, long diagonals uh, proving quite fruitful. Mainly... Over from the right to the left, Lewis Nielsen playing quite a few, getting Gary mackay Stephen in behind. Cochran was using that to, to get out the park as well. Some good runs by Gary Mackay-Steven. Um, it allowed uh, mackay Stephen to play in Humphreys in less than three minutes in. Half chance, it was a difficult one to get over. He volleyed over the crossbar. Um, a ball uh-huh. from the left ended up seeing Barry Mackay set up George Grant, who probably should have done better on the turn. I think he was maybe... Slightly disorientated in terms of where the goal was. Sliced it well off target. Um, but they were all originating from the left. So opening 15 minutes or so, Hearts on top. Very positive. Stretching Levy, who'd started with a 4-4-1-1. But around that time, David Martindale quickly realised where the game was going at that point. Because it looked like Hearts were gaining some gaining head of steam could eventually start opening Livy up properly, maybe get a goal. So he switched that, went to more of a 4-3-3. Um, you saw a, a bit more support in the center, and Jules Nubly dropped out to the left. Um, pinned Hearts back a little bit with the with that switch. Um Toby Sibic, Lewis Nielsen started to struggle a bit. That was, I suppose, the untested part of our defense, really, Sibic right back, Lewis Nielsen right center back, rather than the Kingsley Cochrane combination on the left and the concern is from that point it really was one way traffic basically hearts couldn't really get back into the game now we'll speak about the goal before we speak about the game as a whole 28th minute probably sums up hearts being a bit disjointed just floated in by Jason Holt not a terrible ball but it's not a particularly taxing ball Um, at at first it looks like it's miles offside. you were just waiting for the assistant I think everyone's waiting for the assistant including the hearts defense uh, Christian Montagno does the right thing he takes it down, he plays to the whistle he slides the ball into the back of the net and there is no flag um, there's a lot of unhappiness in the hearts ranks and on the bench however, when you get a replay and you get one that actually shows it properly because we were struggling to get one initially you can see that the new man Stephen Humphreys takes a big step almost two steps back just before the ball is played and he plays Montagno clearly on onside and that probably summed up maybe where we're at, Mark, in terms of all those changes, a new guy in there, a bit disjointed at the back. And it was a gift in the end.
0: Yeah, it was. And, and it was disjointed. And after that, they should really have scored a second through through Isma. We just... We, I don't think you can underestimate how much we miss Craig Halkett. But when mm-hmm. you have a key player who's out, you have to have a, a suitable backup or a plan in place to be able to cope with that and if we're in a situation whereby four might be our best formation but is that a four that includes Halkett? if Halkett isn't there are we better with a three i, I don't know because it depends on on which three it depends on the opposition it depends on on their lineup there are easy targets for hearts fans right now Toby Civic is one of them. He's one of the easy targets because he hasn't played particularly well since he came back. But in no means is he the only player that isn't playing well right now. I just think he's lacking confidence, and you can see not just at Hearts with other teams as well. When when players lack confidence, there'll be some that don't want as much of the ball. I'm not saying they'll hide, but it. It's like anything. If you're feeling good about yourself, feeling good about your team, you're buzzing. You've got a spring in your step. But when you're going through a tough patch, you've got to be brave. And I'm sure that I'm sure that there, there's an element of, of they must all have an element of bravery. I'm not picking on Toby Sivik or or whoever in in this instance. We're just in a situation right now where I I haven't done the 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 stats kind of research as to how many times we have changed our defence in the games that we've played so far, but we've not had much continuity. And that's been the bottom line. I think it was there was more continuity prior to the, the Zurich away game before Halkirk got injured. Kingsley picked up a knock as well. Left side's fine. It's the right side that's, that's the issue. Lewis Nielsen's learning. He's coming into it. He had a, a good full start at Timecastle. But... It's, if if I'm the opposition manager, I'm targeting Hart's right side of of defence.
1: Yeah.
0: You have to, and it's not because you've got anything against Sibic or Nielsen. It's because that's weaker than Kingsley and, and Cochran. Cochrane. So for Thursday, I think I think Halkett was touch and goal. For I think he was. I think it. if
1: it was a a different surface, Maybe. I think Halkett might choice. might have played. Think, on Saturday. So I think
0: he starts, and that that will make life. I mean, Smith will come back. Halkett's in there. Nielsen and Sibick will drop out Kingsley and Cochrane if he wants to go a four, which is is the likely. Harring in for, for Devlin. I'm not, not going through the team right now, not getting ahead of it because we're talking about Livy right now. But we are in a situation where we're playing three times a week. We're pretty much playing every midweek, and we don't have the strength and depth to be able to make wholesale changes for it's hard to say the lesser important game because the league games are the important ones because they get you into the European games yep. for the next season. That's what made it as frustrating as it was. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they tried to they tried really hard to get Ramirez. He wanted to come. But Aberdeen were just like, I'm not strengthening a rival and I totally understand that. So this is where Hearts fans to an extent have to realise that Hearts would have been working from early in the morning till right up to the transfer window to add players to the squad. It wasn't for the want of trying, I'm sure. But as a supporter, it's just frustrating where you know they need more than one and they only got one in before the transfer window. So I'm sure we're as frustrated as as Robbie and the rest of the the coaching staff, but we just don't have a squad right now that is capable of playing every single midweek and getting the same results as we got last season that got us into Europe this season.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think... Allowances have to be made for our defensive issues just now. In terms of we did not expect to be losing key defenders so early in the season in terms of Kingsley was out, we've lost Kai Rolls for a prolonged period, Craig Halkett's been out, Michael Smith has been out, uh, Natty Atkinson has been out briefly as well. So that was almost unprecedented. I think we can kind of make allowances for being a bit disjointed defensively given all those injuries that you can't necessarily legislate for. I think the bigger concern would be top end of the park. Because, yes, Stephen Humphreys, you know, we don't know. Was he second choice, fifth choice? We don't know. You just don't know. Maybe he was really high up on the list. Obviously, hearts aren't going to say, we've brought this guy in, but he was our fifth choice. You don't know. Um, It was late in the day. It could have been. We've went down the list of targets. We've not got Ramirez, for instance. We've not got maybe someone else, whatever. I guess the concern is, For me, is the the attacking edge because we at the start of the season we spoke about we needed maybe a striker and a ten anyway. So I think that area, and we've We've lost the ten. So so I think maybe that area is where you know I didn't like the reaction of people suddenly saying right now it's a terrible window we've done we've done awful business in the window suddenly it's like no the window wasn't
0: just the last twenty four hours no the window was the
1: summer. And look, and the club have spent a significant seven, seven figure sum on transfer fees alone in that window. I mean, you know, these days, most of them are undisclosed, but there seems to be a general feeling that it's between one and two million. It could be close to the two million mark, but, you know, if oh, you said what. Look,
0: I th- sorry, I think it's important to play devil's advocate here. If we've spent that much money, that was inept at the weekend, that was toothless. You, we can't keep making excuses for, for what we've seen. That wasn't good enough. Now, oh, I no, it
1: absolutely clear, wasn't. It absolutely wasn't. Not but not. I think there's there's a couple of things in play there. What I mean is there has been significant investment. I think you'd say, you know, everyone was really pleased with a lot of the business. You know, Cochrane coming in, permanent deal, solid last season, looks even better this season. Kai Rolls, Australian international, settled really well. Um, you know, th- there are some big positives there. I think Shanklin as well, which was, you know, Again, everything's undisclosed, but largely the understanding is that's where the biggest fee has gone. And I think everyone would be fairly pleased with that and how we started. Um, but I agree. I you the know, transfer
0: window was fine, but the perception is it was the last 24 hours and Hearts fans were expecting more to come in. And it's like anything, it's the recency bias. When you've got an opportunity to be critical of something that's happened over a 24-hour period, and you expected more additions, as I said, I can see both sides of the story. They've tried their bollocks off oh, to get more players, absolutely. more players in. Um, but it is a transfer window. On the whole, I think Hearts were fine. You've, you've, I think you've mentioned it pretty well. But ultimately, and, and yes, I understand the injuries. Uh, most of them have been at the back. But we were absolutely toothless. I mean, I've since watched watched the game back. I was down at the US Open commentating and I watched the first, what did I watch? The first 20 minutes. I thought it was a really good start. I also thought it was a good start in Zurich before they kind of just sat back a little bit as well. So we've gone from last season saying, God, I hope they can finally start a game well. We're starting games okay now, but then something's happening. And having not seen after the twentieth minute mark and then caught up with the game at full time and saw that they'd beaten 1-0, I was like, yeah. pff, I didn't see that coming, the way that we'd started the game. And then we watched it back, or I watched it back, sorry, and it was just like, what what's happening? Well, I mean, are they, they might, as you say, they, they changed their formation or whatever, but we never really looked like scoring.
1: Yeah. I think that's the big concern with this game. Um, you know, we're not going to overanalyze the rest of the match, you know, Livy, you mentioned, looked a bit more dangerous. Isma should have scored second half, two saves from Craig Gordon, uh, one from Guthrie who came off the bench, had a nice little back heel and he tipped a Scott Pittman one over, although I think it maybe was going to be going over or hitting the bar anyway. But you know, second half, we had Forrest on, Janelli on, Shankland on, Mackay was still in the park. No spark at all. Nope, now, Hearts, nope. Hearts had six shots from 64% possession and not one of them was on target. Zero shots on target.
0: How much of that possession, in in recent weeks, you've seen all the games. I've seen most of them when I can. I've caught up with highlights when I've not been able to. How much of the possession that we've had this season do you think is just possession for possession's sake? Because one of the things as a commentator that we get access to when we're doing games, you get the match stats, possession 66% and 34%. I want to see quality of possession because oh, yeah, look, yeah. playing it between Nielsen and Kingsley and Cochran and Halliday and back to Kingsley and Nielsen, there's probably a good 5% of possession over the host of a game. But it doesn't do you anything. It doesn't get you anywhere. Nope. It's, nope. it's, it's possession at, at, for hearts. I don't see enough possession at pace. And yeah, we've seen some they, goals at Pinecastle yeah. this season, Laurie, where, uh, for hearts. And they've been great. They've been quick. They've been pass and move. There's always been an option. There never was that on Saturday.
1: No, and that's a concern. I mean, look at Livingston with just over a third of possession. They had double the amount of shots and six of them were on target. Far more dangerous than Hearts. And I think the, the worry is, and we're going to go into some of the messages we got from people. The worry for me is watching it just never felt like we were going to score. We're, we get too easy to defend against. And it does take me back a little bit
0: too predictable. T-
1: to some of the championship season where I don't know if you remember now, and, and Robbie did say it was a, a different division like that because most of the teams did just happily defend against us from the get-go and it's always difficult to break 11 players down but the problem was because we've looked a bit shakier at the back this season you know Kelly got ahead and Livy got ahead and when they were both ahead it was very easy for them to sit with players behind the ball mm-hmm. let us knock it around we just didn't have the spark to open them up and then potentially pick us off on the counter I think Kelly didn't Kelly stopped even trying to do that for a lot of the game, but they didn't need to, they had the lead. Livingston still looked a much better attacking outfit than us, even though they let us have the ball. And I guess that's our concern, is games like this. If we go behind to a team like Livy, or a team like to a co- team like Kilmarnock, who are maybe going to be happy to sit in, let us have the ball, make it a tactical battle, you know, David Martindale or Derek McInnes. They're quite pragmatic at times, that's what they'll do, if it will think it'll win them a game, and quite rightly so, if it will get some three points. We just lack the ideas of the noose or the or the nouse, I should say, or the creativity, the spark to do something. And yeah <laughs> The Eels noose is very different. Yeah, the noose. Yeah. A few fans were looking for that after the game, I think. Um, so let's look at some of the messages we got, because you know, we we can rattle on about it all evening. Yeah. But let's have a look. What so um Alexander Scott sent an email, so he's given us a bit of both. I asked, you know, how are people feeling? Are you leading one way or leading the other? And he said, um, I don't want to bombard the Twitter feed with a 1-of-12 situation. I think overall, it's a mixed bag of concerns and positives. Let's start with the concerns. Manner of the past two defeats. We could still be playing Killing now and not have scored. I thought, again, Livy, we were good for 25 minutes, looked composed on the ball and played some nice sequences. Afterwards, the less said, the better. Injuries and squad depth. We all sound like a broken record on this one, but I think it's clear another defender, a sweeper type, a winger with end product and a number 10 similar to Boyce is needed. We can only assume there will be further injuries to happen between now and the end of the year, so pressure is on to try and find a couple of gems. However, fans saying that the transfer window has been a failure is a strange take. If the freak injuries to Rolls and Boyce didn't happen, I doubt they'd be saying the same. Tough run of league games coming up post at Mirren. Next two home games are the Old Firm and we play Motherwell, Killy and Aberdeen away. Uh, Alexander also goes on to say the positives. Joint third after six games is far from a disaster. If we can keep up that level of form going into 2023, when I anticipate a less hectic schedule, where we will either be out of Europe or hopefully have a knockout game to look forward to. We will be in a strong position to push for Third. January transfer window could be fun with the additional revenue uh, that will be coming in, um, along with Benny coming back from injury, which will feel like a new signing. Bottom line is seasons aren't defined in six league games, and that was Alexander Scott, who good message, was, was, good message. So what 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 we'll do? We, we spoke about. I'll give you a chance to kind of focus on the the glass half full, um, because you know we we're probably realistically probably somewhere in between. Um, but glass half full. I'll let you take mm-hmm. this one. Um, okay. And I've got some messages here to kick you off. So I've got a few that are kind of on the positive side. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott McIntosh, who is was so Let's It Run, says concerns over reta- rotation, but that is partly a consequence of our luck with injuries this season. We strengthen our squad. And once we get Grant in the number 10 role, I'm confident we can cover Boyce. It is best practice to dissect or review a season on a quarterly basis, rather than knee jerk reactions to every loss and win. The priority this year is once again, league and Scottish cup to consolidate consistent year to year European campaigns. Europe this season brings money and experience. Nothing more. Uh, Kenneth Brownlee says we got third place last season because we were a lot better than nine other teams. Looking at the points dropped so far, the other nine teams haven't improved any. Mike Bradley says I'm fairly relaxed. We will have a number of off games due to rotations and injuries this season. We ain't got the budget to tackle the Glasgow mob, but we are always looking to strengthen the team with the right players rather than the panic buys. We will finish third again this season. Uh, Martin Brownlee says difficult start to the season home form is fine but I think Rob and your players are getting distracted with Europe we need to do our day job first and Europe will look after itself let's play our best available team every week um, and James Govan says uh, getting the players back will be a boost Halkett and Kingsley make the defence so much stronger not overreacting it's a tough period for the squad Europe is a free hit but get something on Thursday and confidence builds major overreaction to a loss as always the floor is yours, Mr. Donaldson. Mm.
0: Play our strongest side every week. I want to start with that. That was mentioned right there. Not possible. It's not possible because of the number of games. And we're not used to, to that. The players aren't used to that. And there has to be more of a... Uh, we can't have one team for Europe, one team for the league. But do we keep changes to a minimum? What do we do? I don't know, is the answer. But I know it's not play the strongest team every week because it ain't going to happen that's, that's 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 not what you, it's not possible it's not what you do um because these guys will play 90 on sunday they'll play 90 on thursday or whatever and and suddenly it's, you're not keeping them fresh so there has to be one or two tweaks trying to accentuate the positive the case for the defense or lack of of Livingston <laughs> on saturday the Scottish Premiership outside of Celtic and Rangers is bang average. Hart Midlothian last season, prior to the top six split, because forget those results, we pretty much already secured a third place finish. So I want to focus on what happened before the top six split. In the 33 games, Hearts finished 16 points above the next best side. Hearts had 57 points. Dundee United were next in fourth on 41. Ross County had 40. Motherwell had 40. It wasn't until the final day before the split, match day 33, that we knew who was going to be in the top six. Hibernian were only two points behind. Basically, there was five points separating fourth place and 10th place. Now, when I say not very good, when I say average or or whatever, the tendency is that the teams cut each other's throats. Dundee United drew 11 times. They only won 10 games. Ross County and Motherwell both drew 10 times. They only won 10 times. Hibernian drew 11 times. They only won 9. St. Mirren drew 12 times and only won 8. They finished 10th. Dundee United were fourth, and there's only five points between them. So basically, other teams, while Hearts went about doing their job, other teams kept beating each other, kept drawing with each other. They're never going to get away from you, or they're never going to kind of be that far down. So Hearts this season started off pretty well. Recently, it's not been that great. We're joint third. Look at the difference between Hibbs in eighth and Aberdeen in third, along with Hearts and Motherwell, all on 10 points. There's two points of a gap. It's not going to change this season. It's going to be bunched up. A, a, A streaky run, a run of form, fine. That's going to be enough, probably, for a team like Hearts to finish third, or certainly be in contention to finish third. Here's the problem. Heart squad right now isn't strong enough to deal with the bad luck and the injuries that we've had. We may add free agency, uh, free agent signings.
1: You're, you're However, doing the positive angle, remember? <laughs>
0: no, but you can. You have to. You have to be able to see both sides of the story when you're doing the the, the positive I know, angle. But as we well. were
1: doing a pros. That we no, were doing no, a... no,
0: but listen, listen. My positive I'm angle listening. comes from it comes from after Christmas. It comes from not playing three games a week. It comes from the likelihood that we'll not be playing European football after Christmas because there's certainly two better teams in the, the Europa Conference League than us. And if we do finish in the top two, it'll be a fantastic achievement. But if we don't, as is likely, we're out the League Cup already. So we will get a bit more time between games. So the positive is, as a couple of the people got in touch said... Knee-jerk reactions, especially for Hearts fans, because look, we, we read probably more Hearts fans' responses than any other supporters. I'm sure every fan's the same, but patience is a virtue. This is a long season, okay? We've played six league games. We're out of the League Cup. We got beaten in both legs against Zurich, but we've got the group stage of the Conference League to look forward to. If we are in a position, come the turn of the year, and it's still within touching distance, of getting that third place I'll be alright with that because I think we'll be stronger in the second half of the season and we'll know what we have to do in the January transfer window so the positivity comes from it's not the worst start to the season and you know what we're joint third albeit goal difference puts Aberdeen ahead but we've, no, we've not been anywhere near our best but the teams around us aren't great so they'll take points off everybody else and there'll be no one that will run away with it. So don't panic. At least not yet.
1: Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk
0: What about the case for the... oh dear? the negatives? You want to take this, Mr Dunsar, and read out some of the the comments that we've had that the world is about to end?
1: Right, well, I mean, it's not not all going too overboard. Um, I mean, let's just have a look through some of the messages that we've had in response to how everyone's feeling just now. And some of them are fairly reasoned, but obviously leaning more towards the being a bit concerned side. David Chisholm said, uh, concerned about how Brick Predictable, that defeat was. As soon as Livy scored, you could have switched the game off, knowing we weren't scoring. Why does that still happen, even with such a strong squad? Uh, This has similarities to the Levine injury season. Need a good win to stop the rot. Um, Jambo Steve, unimpressed, quite frankly. Continue with tippy-tappy stuff. Plenty possession, but do very little. I'd rather play the Livy team against Istanbul on Thursday than our team. No height, no muscle. I'd say we have not signed the type of players to play in Europe this season. Tungster um, says the rotation, uh, then being forced to bring the players you've left on the bench on the lack of a boys replacement is a worry. Nobody can link the play. We are sh- we are Shanklin going down uh, from being totally Donald ducked, um, and every man at corners overloaded and no outlet. Um, Jersey Steve says it's not so much the results and the points. Uh, we have what. 10 out of 18, which would translate to 63 points across the whole season, two more than last, a crude way of calculating it, I know. It's the performances which give great worry, and who knows how many of these points we would have picked up with our current injuries, uh, which we're stuck with and having to play the Thursday-Sunday routine six times between now and the end of November. Um, Ralph Smith, it's early days, but juggling these injuries with the coming fixture congestion is a worry and we're going to be pushed to the absolute limit. October schedule looks particularly brutal. I'll be delighted if we're still in touching distance of third by the start of the World Cup. Um, Sonny Rocker, it's more the passive play that's concerning. No impact from the substitutions, really. As Robbie said, everyone should be fighting for the club. Um, let's see, Blair Dinwoody says, bigger picture. Number one, Robbie tinkers too much and too often his tactics and formations don't suit our players. Number two, the first team looked overcoached and don't play instinctively. Number three, he can't or won't integrate and develop our best academy graduates into the first team plans. Um, Robbie will always keep us in the hunt for third. His cautious approach to games will see that. I don't think he has the balls or the tactical nous to get beyond that, i.e., clear best of the rest or pushing for second. We need to find that fearless manager to aim higher. That said, now is not the time. Let's play Europe and give the current manager and squad the chance to, se- chance to secure third or fourth again. We're in the mix. Um, Andrew Marr says, I think Robbie's overthinking. Start your best team to win the game, then put subs on. We need the first goal in games. We gain confidence, whereas if the opposition score first, they sit in and we struggle. So, so just to pause my... Um, my uh, <laughs>
0: your State of the Union.
1: The, the, yes, going through all these. I, I think there's some good points within there, yeah, and I especially so. in terms of tactically, it, it does feel like there's maybe a bit of overthinking, and I don't know if it's because we've lost Boyce and we've lost a bit of our attacking structure, and I think it's very clear, to me anyway, and I think to a few fans, we need to find a different way to attack teams now because we don't have Boyce in there to link midfield and attack, and he did that so well. Now, he, Liam Boyce drew a lot of criticism and sometimes it's fair, he had off games like anyone else and I think sometimes he could be frustrating in front of goal, as decision making but I think I put this on Twitter the other the other day, if, if Liam Boyce's decision making in front of goal was as good as his link up plays, hold up his intelligence he wouldn't be a hearts player, he'd be at a higher level yeah, yeah, so sure. we have to accept that when we sign players like that like Barry Mackay, he'll have off games if he, if he played as well as he can every single week, he wouldn't be playing for hearts but Overall, Liam Boyce was so crucial to how we played and how we attacked. And that's why I think it was great to have someone like Shankland in to maybe be the number nine, like Sims was, in a different style, but be the point man, the target man, and allow Boyce to play the nine and a half, almost, that he sometimes it's called. Pick it up, link the play, hold up. Be, you know, Use his intelligence to bring the wide men in, to bring the midfielders to overlap, to bring that striker in, to link up with them. But we're missing that. So I think we just have to find a different way. We've not managed to find... A Liam Boyce replacement which is always going to be very difficult and it might be that we had some potential targets that we missed out on I know there's the South Korean lad who possibly we might get in January given his contract situation but we've not managed to find that player so I think we need to rethink because it was very evident in the Kamarnik game in the Livy game that as soon as they figured us out mm-hmm. and got men behind the ball got the lead it just felt like we were never scoring and you know we had players in the, we had Barry McKay in the park you had Lawrence Shanklin on the park. You shouldn't be having players like that on the park against a, With all due respect to Livingston, an average, at best, Scottish Premiership team. You know, a, a well-organised, stuffy, but bottom six and potentially lower than that Premiership team. That is not a team that we should be struggling to create even one shot on target against. So I think there's some good points there. Yep. Um, another thing that's quite interesting um, we got from an account that goes under Robert Nielsen with a picture of Robbie Nielsen. So I don't yeah. think it's actually Robbie Nielsen, of course. <laughs> and says, my big concern is our form. We've only won three of our last 14 and kept two clean sheets in our last 18. And we don't look like scoring in open play. The form stretches back to last season. Generally, when we finish third, the next season we get fifth or sixth early days yet, but everything is pointing to this being a very bang average season. Missed opportunities and just feel like Robbie has lost the spark and motivation in our squad. It did get me thinking that is typical of being a Hearts fan and to be honest with a lot of other teams in Scotland, you know, you have a great season, get top three next season, you're bang average or you're or you're even poor. Um, I'm not going to go back too much in history but going back like last quarter of a century anyway, So that's the time I've been watching Hearts mainly. Great season 97-98, um obviously won the cup, finished third, had a real title challenge. Next season, we had some scares about relegation. We ended up finishing sixth, which isn't as good as it is now because it was only 10 teams in the league. We were a good sixth that season because for a time, it looked like we might be going down. Um, 99-2000, we obviously had a good season, finished third. Next season, fifth. There was a managerial change as well. Jeffries went out, Craig Levine came in. Now, the only time in this spell, this last quarter of a century, you can actually put it back a much longer. But this is a spell I'm looking at was under Craig Levine. The only time we've managed to finish third, two seasons running, that was 0203 and 2003 2004. Now, one thing, I f- one thing I feel we need to try and do is similar to what Aberdeen did under Dent McInnes, is try and keep a core of the squad together. And I think we have done that. Um, I looked at the first league game of the season. Um, against Aberdeen in 0304 3 4 So this was after we finished third. Nine of the starting 11 were players who were with the team the season before. Only Paul Hartley and Dennis Wyness were new signings. Fast forward towards the end of the season, no point in the last game of that season because it was a bit of a dead rubber and um, Levine chucked in a few um, youngsters and fringe players. But last game before the split, look at the team, 10 of 11 players who started were with the club before that season. Um, Ben had only just broke into the team but he was at the club beforehand but even if you take him out, nine were first team players in the team the season before that so that's, it's not to say that's the exact formula that you have to use is keep your team together but I think in our league if you have a good team if you can keep most of them together I think that's a good formula so it is a concern I mean look at the next ones, 06, 07 4th 2009-10, 2009-10, 6 2011-12, 5th, although we did win the Cup, which wasn't too bad. And 2016-17, 5th, that was all after top three finishes. What we have done this season, if we take it to the other side, is we have kept most of our big players. Together. Only Suter and Sims are the ones that we really lost in terms of first team regulars. So I think that is a positive. And that, my concern is it's not as easy for us, like you said, Mark, it's not as easy for us just to keep playing that same team because we have more demands in terms mm-hmm. of the schedule than we've ever had before. The injuries, obviously, are very unfortunate. You couldn't have planned for having so many at this point. But that's the big concern. And I think we might have to find a different formula with the changes because at the moment, we're ch- we're making five or six changes every game. Too many. And it's too many because and we saw that. Even when you look at things like the free kick we defended... That Stuff like that. And if Ryan McGowan uh, was on with us, I'm sure he would say something similar. If if you're not playing, if you're not being played together not had as much time to maybe work on things as a unit, that's the type of thing I think that, that's where the breakdown happens, just keeping a line. And you see Humphreys, it's very simple. He just takes a couple of steps back. And because he takes a couple of steps back, the entire line the Hearts are playing is completely pointless. So I think that's a minor example but that's what i think our big concern is i don't know if we need to make a decision and say right for our league games this is the kind of and you can't i'm not saying you play the exact team all the time but you say these are first and foremost these are the games we're playing michael smith um again this is just a random example i'm saying look michael smith can't play two games in the week he'll play the league games because we need him we need that solidity whatever he'll play we'll definitely have to play him for league games And we work at what six or seven of the core we can play, because to me, we can't just play a second string team in Europe because that could end very badly. Um, You know, we don't want to be getting. We could get beat heavily against likes of Fiorentina and Istanbul Bashiaksha here anyway. Play a second string, it could get you know, United against Alkmaar level. But I don't know if we need to find a balance and say, look, we need to, we need to play. We need to find at least a settled nine players, eight or nine players for games. And if we have to rotate it for one game, then it's a similar rotation, if that makes sense. Not changing five, six players one game, five, six players the next game, five, six players another game. There's so much mixing of things around that I think it's created a very disjointed unit. I didn't have a good answer there, did I? But I I, I waffled a lot.
0: Because I don't think anyone really has the answer to this. Consistency is a lot easier if the parameters don't really change. The parameters are different this year. We didn't have European football last season. We had a gap, pretty much a whole week to prepare for matches. We were the team coming up. You look back over the last 20 years, the team that's come up more often than not has surprised people all the way back to Livingston finishing third when they first came back to the the Premier League all those years ago. This is the sophomore season for Hearts in the top flight, as they call it over here, the second season. It's also known as the second season syndrome. It's difficult. Teams have worked you out by now. Are we too predictable? Robbie said he's got a plan A and a plan B, and he's going to use one of them. Well, okay. Is it time for a plan C and a plan D to mix things up so that opposition managers keep guessing? Three at the back, four at the back. Do we have the players that we can change it? That's the other thing. So there's a lot of questions. Our waveform is is a big concern for me. I was looking at um, I was looking at recent results. And going back, after the Dundee United game in April that we won by three goals to two at Tannadice, we lost 4-1 at Celtic. I think you take the games against Celtic away from home with a pinch of right? because they've demonstrated they are by far and away the best team in this league. So, Motherwell away, lost 2-1. Again, I can't earlier say I'm not going to take the five fixtures after the break and not include them then and then use them as part of the argument here. So there are mitigating circumstances. Hibernian, that close to getting all three points. Celtic away again. It was a squad. It was a team that was all change after the European trip to Switzerland. And that's probably one of our best performances of the season with the players. We never looked like winning, even getting anything from the game, but we were compact and we looked like we know what we were doing. That was the first real dud. The Livingston game. So the concern is away from home, where we've not tasted victory since Tannadise. We go to Motherwell next, away from home. Aber- uh, Kilmarnock after that, away from home. These are just the away games that are coming up. A lot of these are going to be Sunday fixtures as well, where we've either played on Thursday at home or we've had to travel back. And they're probably not going to travel back until a, a, Thursday, uh, sorry, a Friday lunchtime, because it's a lot easier to do that than it is to... I mean, imagine, I mean, Istanbul, Okay, in match day six is a really early kickoff in the afternoon. I think it's 3.45 um, British time or 3.30 or something. So that you'll be able to come straight back after that, probably. But it's still a decent four or five hour flight. So would you confidently predict Hearts to win at Motherwell? No. Hearts to win at Kelly? No. Hearts to win at Aberdeen? No. Hearts to win at Ross County? No. And then we go to Ibrox at the beginning of November. Now, our home form this season, very good. We've beaten Ross County, we've beaten Dundee United, and we've beaten St. Johnson. Let me replace form with results. Maybe I shouldn't have used form. Our results have been very good. Okay, We've scored nine goals. We haven't kept a clean sheet at home. Now, there's reasons for that. You've spoken about them. The constant changing of the guard at the back. A lot of that is enforced. There wouldn't be this many changes if we didn't have the injuries. So... What I'm trying to do, and I think what you're trying to do as well, given what you just said, we're putting out both the arguments here, both the stay calm and the, come on, we need to be better. And you're right. It, it's like one of, I can't remember the sport, if it's gymnastics or figure skating or whatever, they kind of get five judges. They they chuck away the, the highest one and the lowest one, and they do the average of the other three. Chuck away the 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 kind of, the yahoos and their opinions about sack Nielsen is it's a disgrace and chuck away the yahoos that are just like no no everything's fine and there's a fire going around you like that meme let's just kind of go with the majority <laughs> of the opinion which is pretty balanced there'll be some that say it isn't good enough and it wasn't on Saturday there'll be some that'll say let's have patience and I think you'll find the truth lies somewhere in between
1: I think you're probably right Scarves around the funnel brought to you in association with Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald's signs, limited creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Thank you very much to our sponsors. Uh, Moving on in this episode, we've got to talk about Thursday's game before we go hearts Mm. in Europe. It's a shame that we've hit a little bit of a rut, isn't it? Because this is our first group stage match uh, since Robbie Nielsen was playing it's only our second time we've been in the group stage before as we start our Europa Conference League Group A against the Turks, Istanbul, Bashak It's a 5 45 kickoff at Tyncastle on Thursday. Now, looking ahead to the game, um, Bashak Shahir manager, Emre Belezoglu, you might remember him, uh, former Newcastle United Galatasaray. Internationale and Atletico Madrid manager more than 100 ca- player I should say midfielder more than 100 caps for Turkey he doesn't hold a pro license so he's been banned from the game <laughs> now. exactly what this means is unclear at this stage, it's not clear if he'll be allowed in the dressing room or technical area or, or how a ban works because he's still part of the club um, but basically because he's not in possession of a pro license he has been, well he's the Governing body's Control, Ethic and Disciplinary Committee found the 41-year-old guilty of shadow coaching during their second qualifying round first leg against Maccabee Netanya in July. They also got a €10,000 fine. So exactly what that means, I don't know, but um, whether he'll have to sit in the stand and relay messages on the sly, like we've seen Jose Mourinho do in the past, I'm not too sure. Um, we'll have to assume it won't impact them too much. Um, we saw um, Hibs get through at the weekend without Lee Johnson, so it does happen. Hearts have had it before when Craig Levine was um, unwell. Uh, in terms of their games, at the weekend they won 2-0. That's the 10th unbeaten game this season. 22nd game overall unbeaten. Uh, On-lone Aston Villa man, uh, Bertrand Traore, scored on his debut. Uh, he made it 2-0. That was after um, Serdar Guler had capped... It uh, started things off in the 23rd minute, opening the scoring. So they're three points off top as things stand. That's with a game in hand. So a decent start to the season. Um, last season, they finished fourth, eight points off a Champions League place. Twelfth the season before that. But Bashakshah here were in the Champions League groups that season. They finished bottom, but they were in a group with PSG, Leipzig, and Man United. And they did manage to beat Man United at home. That's the only time I've watched a full game of theirs until Thursday coming. Uh, And the season prior to that, the reason they were in the Champions League was they won their first ever title. So, a decent pedigree, Mark. A team that maybe a lot haven't heard of. They're not Fenerbahce or Galatasaray in terms of um, having that lengthy history as a a big Turkish side, but a lot of investment recently. Some recognisable players. Um, Mezet Ozil is maybe their biggest name on paper. However, the summer signing from Fenerbahce, he's only played 30 minutes so far. So he's probably not the big one to look out for is he
0: no Uh, and this is about kind of educating yourself uh, about the team about the league there's a lot of money in turkey going around there's a lot of players good players that are going over there look as Billy as their defensive midfielder he's a super player he's gone over there uh Okaka has been he he was playing with Udinese and Watford he started at the weekend you mentioned Mesut Ozil he's he's not on 20 quid a week so there, there's money being thrown around. A number of, of Brazilians, um, Leo Duarte is a big presence as a centre-back, the Brazilian, and, and decent in the opposition box as well. So he's someone to watch out for. I was looking at the odds for this weekend, oh, sorry, this weekend, on, on Thursday, and all the money's for Istanbul, Bishakshi here. Oh, yeah, uh, of course cur- you know. cur- well, currently there are shades of odds against. I'd expect that to be even money or, or maybe 10 to 11, if not uh, shorter. Come Thursday, because there's nothing to suggest that that, that hearts um, should get your cash unless it's blind loyalty, which I'm sure there will be. Just how most so, football
1: fans probably have yeah, most football that's fans. That's why Bukis but... are rich,
0: <laughs> of, of, of course. So, looking at Istanbul's results in Europe, I mean, they drew it home to, to Antwerp and they were in danger. It was the first leg, they were in danger of crashing out. Then they went to Belgium and won 3 1. So, some teams you think. Well, how are they going to travel? The int- The interesting thing is, for their game so far this season, the coach Emery does prefer a 4-3-3 formation, but he has played a 4-1-4-1 um, on one occasion. As, that's the formation that I think they'll they'll go with because they'll, prob- they'll, they'll want three points, but they'll see a point as not being the, the worst result in the world. It's match day one. I like the way that the fixtures... Have kind of fallen um, yeah. for Hearts. I think it's important. I, I didn't want them away first, and then at home on match day six, where we could have been out by then, because the likelihood is we would we would lose in Turkey if it was match day one. So, if Hearts were offered a draw right now, would they take it? Is the big question. I, I don't know. I think. I think. I this think is, Thursday
1: it, sets the tone. I think. I, I, think, I, agree. I agree. I think, I think that's I think, where you're going with the fixes.
0: Yep. This is the one we need to win if we um, win we,
1: if we win we've we, if we win we have a shot at second over. i think at the top hundred percent. we have a shot not to say we will but if we win we have a shot a draw keeps in the mix i think if we lose thursday and it, you know you don't want to say it's over after one game but i can't I but really it is. Can't, it yeah, is. if we lose the home game and although it's weird because bachachi here are the are the top seats, um but i still look at fiorentina fiorentina yes as the best team in the group and I think they'll be the ones who are likely win the group so what your hope is from a hearts perspective and this is there you know I'm not saying we should be going to, you know, if, if hearts don't get top two in the group I'm not going to be hugely disappointed I think it would be amazing if we did but if you you want to look at it from how do we qualify and I think ideally you think like Fiorentina beat everyone maybe don't beat us but they beat everyone else definitely um, especially Besiktas here and if we can get a win against them at home, it could end up coming down to us home and away against them. Um, and again, you're assuming that we can beat Riga home and away, which is not a given. But realistically, that's what we should, should be aiming be to do: is being they, them. They're, twice. they're
0: no better than a, a top-end Scottish Championship side. I watched them against Linfield, and yeah, we got and, beat
1: by Bro. I remember as well <laughs> a couple of seasons well, we did, ago. Yeah, we did.
0: I'm not trying to put us on a pedestal here, but Istanbul, Basha here, and Fiorentina. I, I would. I'd put a decent chunk of money on on both of them winning home and away against the Latvian side. So we have to do that as well. So let's not kind of get ahead of ourselves just now. So the question for this one is, would a draw be a good result for them? Well, they should win, but would they take a point? I don't know. If we go into this game, if we approach this game as thinking a draw is a good result, which no, it probably is, that. but we can't approach the game like that. I think we have to go out, take it to them. Now, I I've I don't know that much about Belgian football, right? So I don't know what the atmosphere was like when they went to Antwerp. I would imagine we've been all right and we've been decent, but they don't get big crowds at home at no, all. No, it's quite a small strategy. following.
1: Yeah, they're no, quite a new team, though, aren't they? So I mean, that's, they've not they really are with, got a, with a lot of money following. Yeah,
0: they're a new team with a, a lot of money that have come in, spent plenty, and, and had success pretty quickly. So they haven't got that historical fan base. So Hearts fans going over from match day six. Might be still a lot depends on on the situation in the group at that point in time, but don't be surprised if there's less than 5,000 at the game. They've had less than 2,000 for for two of their home games so far. And
1: and And hearts won't exactly be you know, they were beating Man United two seasons ago. They're not going to get overly excited about hearts being in town.
0: No, no, this is a really good side. for, For those that haven't seen too much of them, they're a better side than Zurich. And look what Zurich did to us. Now, look what Zurich did to us as far as the result is concerned. I I was so proud of, of Hearts' performance in the first half against Zurich. It, just, it lacked a, a cutting edge. That's all it lacked. I thought it was a mature performance. I thought Hearts fed off the noise from the stands. And that's why I think it's important on Thursday that we, we kind of try and forget the the result at Livingston and don't let that affect your support of the team and kind of, oh, well, they lost at Livvy, so I'm not going to cheer as hard. Give it loudly right from the start. Let them kind of know it's like, shit, yeah. man, we're, we're, They don't know much about us, and they'll, they'll have done their homework on how we play, and I'm sure they'll have watched the tape of the game against Zurich at, uh, at Timecastle. They will have done all that, but Yes, they've got good players. Yes, they've got experienced players that have played all around the world and in atmospheres a lot more hostile than than Time Castle. But I think it's a good fixture for us. And if, mm-hmm. if if I was asked, would I take a draw right now? No, I wouldn't. I think hearts can win this game, but we're gonna have to be at our best, and that's both playing staff and bums on seats. You're gonna have to be at your best on Thursday, making plenty noise. Because that was the twelfth man against Zurich in that first half, and then circumstances kind of happened and things contrived against us. No more hard luck stories. This is a, a it's a winnable game if we're at our best, and if we produce anything like Saturday, it's going to be embarrassing.
1: Indeed, and I mean, you, and you talk about the players. You mentioned uh, Bertrand Traore as well. Just for a bit of context, two years ago Villa signed him for almost twenty million pounds. No, they're on fortunes, and he's and he's one of the players who they'll have in attack. But that's not to say we can't beat them. And I think you're right. We need to make some noise. We need to get right behind the team, and and hopefully we can do something. If we don't, I think if, if Hearts turn up, it's a really good atmosphere. The Hearts players perform well, and it ends up being a decent game. When we lose out to what is just a better side, I think I can probably accept. That. Not, well, there'll be an air of disappointment, of course, but I can accept that. I just I, I want us to give a good account of ourselves. And hopefully, you know, it's, especially when you're in Europe, you want to, you want people to see Hearts as being a good side, a good supporter. It's a good ground, a good atmosphere. Um, you know, we've not had a chance to put ourselves out there in Europe in much in recent years. So this is a big opportunity. So hopefully they do take it. Um, we will be back on Thursday uh, with Make Some Noise. So that'll be with you, the listeners, at some point on Friday as we review the game between... Heart and Midlothian and Istanbul by Shakhtar here. here. Um, so keep tuned in for that. We hope we are talking about a positive result. Do you want to give a scoreline and a scorer, Mark?
0: I do. I'm yep. going to be right. I, am, I think... As <laughs> like like football score. gamblers,
1: we have to just show blind loyalty to our team.
0: Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, we That's rubbish. No, I don't think we will. Um, I'm going to go for a Hearts win. Because I think it's about time we had another special night at time Castle. Now, I'm not talking yeah. special night like at home against Zurich, which was a special night. A special night includes a result. So we need one. And they've got Fiorentina next up, albeit in Istanbul. So if they go into match day two against Fiorentina with no points, then they could be in a bit of bother. So I'm going to go 2-1 to Hearts. And Barry McKay among the goal scorers. Okay. What about you?
1: Let's go for a blockbuster five-goal thriller. 3-2. 3-2 uh, two. Two win oh, yeah, for Hart of Midlothian. Basing it on absolutely nothing but, but like we spoke about, just blind optimism. Why not? Um, and Craig Halkett is going to make an almighty return to <laughs> <for> the defence. <laughs> and Oof. he's also in a he's going to bullet in a header as well wow there we go Get just get it up them they
0: don't like <laughs> it up them trust yes. me
1: get it right up them indeed so let's hope we do so looking forward to that one uh, another big European night at Castle on Thursday and we'll talk briefly about Sunday's game against St Mirren when we have our make our noise review so we'll be back uh, towards the end of the week with that uh, until then thanks for tuning in